Hi, and welcome to the Your Purpose is Calling podcast, conversations with Christians that are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. I'm your host, Don Sadler, the Christian Productivity Coach. Today, we're talking about a topic that a lot of people really hate to talk about, much less do, sales. Ugh, right? Well, whether we know it or not, we're selling all the time. Whether it's selling a product or service, selling ourselves in a job interview or even a dating app, or just learning to be more persuasive at work or at home, sales is unavoidable. And I know most people hate the idea of selling. Maybe you do too. But today, I hope to change that. Today's episode is a conversation with Ben Smithy, CEO of the Smithy Group. Ben is a friend of mine, and we both love sales. Love it. Between us, we've sold literally hundreds of millions of dollars of products and services. Today, Ben is going to share a step-by-step process that anyone can use to learn how to sell without feeling sleazy. And let me say that when it comes to selling with integrity, Ben is one of the very best. By the end of this episode, you'll have a proven process to sell your product or service, get the job or promotion, or simply communicate with more authority and persuasiveness. I encourage you to grab a pen and grab a notebook. This episode is packed with information to help you succeed in the year ahead. You'll meet Ben in just a moment, but first I invite you to join the conversation on Instagram. I'd love to connect with you there. You can follow me at Don Sadler. Also, you can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Ben online at donsadler.com slash 046. And now let's meet Ben. Hi, Ben. Welcome to the show. Hey, Don. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me back. Excited for our chat. It's always fun. I know. I'm so excited. We talked about this a little bit beforehand. I have had so many really great conversations on this podcast, and I'm grateful for everyone. But people will often ask, who is your favorite all-time guest? And without skipping a beat 100% of the time, I say, Ben Smithy, you Uh, are my favorite guest I have ever had. So I don't want to say there's a lot of pressure on you right now, but but, uh, I'm already a big fan. But for anybody who's listening to this and does not yet know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I have the pleasure of leading an amazing team uh, at a company called The Smithy Group. Um, I know it's a super clever name, uh, but we do amazing work (laughs) nonetheless. (laughs) We're a digital growth agency. Uh, We do a lot uh, in the jewelry industry, as random as that may sound to many people. Um, But on the other side, we run uh, research and insights work for some of the biggest companies out there. Uh, But on the digital agency side, we really focus on small and medium-sized businesses and helping them really just grow and flourish digitally. That's awesome. And there is a there is just a whole other story behind that that we covered in our last episode. And I'm going to link that in the show notes. And if you are somebody who is hesitant about growing your business or or any of that, uh, I definitely encourage you to check that out. But today I invited you back because there is a topic that a lot of people really, really, really hate that you and I 
really love, and that is the topic of sales. And so uh, you have a really phenomenal um, uh, perspective on this and process around this. And, you know, this is going to air right as we're going into a new year. People are looking at starting or building businesses or maybe interviewing for new jobs or trying to get their spouse to pick up the socks off the floor because they're working from home together and is driving them crazy, right? But sales is something, whether we like it or not, or want to admit it or not, uh, really touches every single area of our life. And if we learn to do sales well, there are we will have greater influence. Um, we will have greater opportunity. I mean, that's what I think. What do you think about sales? I completely agree. I think that, you know, there's a saying in, in the business world that sales solves most problems. And, mm-hmm. and that's the case, right? You're worried about revenue, some more stuff. You're worried about making payroll, some more stuff. You're worried about growth, some more stuff. You're worrying about being able to expand. Like, it all comes back to sales, and sales solves a lot of stress um, for a business in a PL, right? It's it's one of those things that we all love the effects of, um, but a lot of us, uh, you know, myself included in many ways, uh, are, are sort of like overwhelmed by the inputs that it takes to um, cultivate the success and the outputs of sales. And so I think it's one of those things that Uh, is important for everyone to understand. And one of those things that we can't say enough, um, as cliche as it can be sometimes, but everybody is in sales, right? Regardless of what your title says, or if you're in the business world or whatever it may be, right? We all are in sales. So I think it's an important topic and one that we want to avoid and one that can feel, um, it can feel tacky or it can feel uncomfortable for some people if done wrong. But I think there's a way to do it that lacks all of, um, the sleaze factor, the, the, the push factor, the bravado approach, the pressure, all of that. Yeah, I think that's true. I think all of that is true. And then I think when you add, um, you, when you add this to a faith-based business, then it gets even more difficult for people. I talked to so many people and you lead a uh, fantastic business ministry here in New York City and uh, you encourage and equip, inspire a lot of people. So you may have an experience of this too, but it feels like when people are gifted for something, it feels like they are often even more uncomfortable with the idea of selling that. So for example, uh, you know, God has given me a gifting for, um, I don't know, interior design. He has not. But um, I talk to a lot of people who feel like, well, if I sell that, then somehow that's dishonoring God. And uh, I love what somebody said. So we're only supposed to charge people or sell things that we're bad at. I mean, it's it, it's just this <laughs> like super convoluted thing, right? And I think that um, I love the heart of that. I love the heart of, of people, business owners um, in particular, who want to honor God um, the best way that they know how. So the heart, I love behind that. But we just want to kind of untangle that a little bit and really talk about what sales is, not the perception of you know, that, that we all have, we all sort of have this idea of a negative association of sales, but sales is really part of how we serve the people that we are called to serve. And, um, we're going to talk more about that. Tell me how you got into sales. How did this all start for you? Well, honestly, I never, I've always considered myself a natural sort of extrovert, but I've never considered myself an expert sales person, salesman until um, a friend of mine, you, uh, suggested that. 
<laughs> and this is and, and for folks, I don't want to I don't want to date this, but I think it's important to the story of that. Even my entire career that um, I never considered that until maybe a month ago when we had the conversation, when you were like, oh, you know, I, I was doing a, a, a webinar or a training for for, for visionaries, which you, you just referenced, our, our professional development community. And I, I went over a sales process and a sales formula that I use that I put together for my team. And after that, you were like, you should write a book on this. You should create a course on this. In the thought had crossed my mind exactly zero times before that to do that. <laughs> and then I sat down and I thought about it. And, and this is just to be, just to be completely like transparent. This is when I realized that over the past decade, that I had been responsible in the salesperson for, we're talking about, you know, 10 plus $15 million in sales for my companies. And then if you look at helping clients sell, that's hundreds of millions on top of that. And I realized that, wait a minute, I've become the thing that I used to despise, which was sales. (laughs) And when you're an entrepreneur and you know it, you know it firsthand, that's the only way you survive, right? Yeah. So I took some time and thought down and, and thought and, put some thoughts down and really just embraced it. And I got into sales just because I was the person that had to sell. You know, if you want to build yeah. a business, you have to sell. But then I thought back, even as a, as a kid, I think I never saw it as selling. I always saw it as presenting somebody with this idea and opportunity that I thought was so marvelous and wonderful, right? Whether it was mowing yards, like, oh, this is why you should let me mow your yard. Or Mm -hmm. this is why you should let me put um, a candy and mint station in your restaurant, right? Uh, Or this is why you should buy these baseball cards that I repackaged. It was never, hey, give me money to do this. It was always like, hey, this is something that I think is amazing and you should be part of it too. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's the difference between a lot of us seeing sales as this approach versus um, this like, uh, like trap. Yeah, I I think um I think that's so good. I think the reason that I was so excited when you were going over your process is um that I remember, you know, my background as you know is in real estate sales mm-hmm. and I remember like the first 6 months or the first year, I didn't really know what I was doing and then somebody trained me on a process and suddenly this light switch went off. And I think that process is so important because I think sales without a process just feels like a popularity contest, mm-hmm. right? It just feels mm-hmm. like you either like me or you don't. You accept me or you reject me. But when you have a process, then it depersonalizes it a bit. So, okay, well, this was my process. This is what worked. This is what didn't. And I feel like that a process will also put you like on the same side of the table as the person you're selling to. Instead of feeling like they're on the other side of the table and you're trying to sell them on something, it's like, what do you need? Tell me your story. What's important to you? And when we do that, we become indispensable to the people that we serve, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's got to be repeatable. The process yes. is the only yes. way that it can be repeatable. And if it's not repeatable, it's the most frustrating thing because you sit there and you, to your point, you make it personal because you're like, well, this person must have liked me or it, it fit with my personality because they, they bought it or this person didn't. And so they didn't like me or I did something wrong when really it's just you changed your process for both of these people. And so you don't have a consistent process that you're following. So therefore right. it's hit or miss. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And on the days when you feel like you do not have it in the tank to sell, (laughs) because sales is being on, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of, you can always fall back on this process, whatever the process is. And you're going to give us one, which I'm so excited about. But um, I think that's why it's important too, is that I just, so you're not trying to be more likable. I remember when I first started in sales and people were like, oh, compliment their dress or compliment their ring. And I was like, what does that have to do with anything? (laughs) Um, But it is this um, thing that we can stand up and say, okay, this actually isn't about me. This is about me being a guide to help somebody else determine if this is the right product or service for them. Mm -hmm. And if I do my job right, then I can match their needs with this product and everything is beautiful. But again, that is part of our calling. It's not just the product that we create. It's not just the service we provide. It is how we communicate with the people that we're called to serve. At least that's what I think. You can disagree if you want to disagree. No, that's right. And I think one of the biggest things before you even talk about a process is sales should never be a surprise, right? Yeah. And we, we've all had, we've all have had a bad sales experience. Um, and I would say I, I bet 50% of the people's bad sales experiences because they were, weren't expecting to be sold to, right? Mm-hmm. And hopefully mm-hmm. all of us, uh, none of us were on the, on, on listening to this were the ones that caused or created or, or led that bad sales experience. But <laughs> there have been those days, I'm sure. <laughs> set the scene, right? Your friend invites you to this thing. You show up at this thing and you realize it's this like big sales pitch, multi-level marketing, whatever it may be, which in itself is not bad. What's no. bad is the lack of transparency about how we got to this place to be sold. Right. Yeah. So, but we're afraid that what the reason that causes that lack of transparency is because we ourselves are afraid to sell something or put something out there as a sales initiative. So therefore we try to back end into it and sneak attack, which just destroys the whole process and the whole transparency of it. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that people are so uncomfortable with selling by and large? I feel like this is right up there with public speaking in terms of things that people hate to do. Um, Why do you think people are so uncomfortable? Because in many times it's like baseball to where in baseball, if you hit three, if you get on base three out of 10 times your entire career, you are a hall of famer, right? And I think sales is the same type of paradigm where a lot, for a lot of people, you get more no's than yeses, right? And you can have extremely high close rates on sales or whatever that may be, but there's a lot of no's to get people to the ask, or there's a lot of no's to get you know, the lead generation or the top of funnel or whatever you may call it. And I think that in any area where we feel potentially failures or no's more commonly than we feel the yeses, it feels personal for people. And I think that there is some value to being more personable or relatable in a sales process. And so the more we say no, and the more we're encouraged then counterintuitively to be more personal, it's like, wait a minute. You want me to get people to just tell me no in a personal way more often. And then you're like, yeah, because that's how you get to the yeses. <laughs> it's so true, though. My my coach says, uh, says this. She says, business is math. Everything else is drama. Mm-hmm. And mm. so it is what we assign to a no 
and what we assign to a yes. And I think that it is a double-edged sword because, you know, somebody says no and we think, oh, I did a bad job. My product is terrible. My service, you know, I'm not qualified, whatever. We can bring a whole lot to that. And even yes, if somebody says yes, then we go into imposter syndrome. Can I live up to their expectations? You know, blah, 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 blah. And so there's all this stuff that we assign both to the no and to the yes. Um, and I think this is true whether you are applying for a job, but especially running a business. Um, and I think that if we go back to the spiritual aspect of it, this is where we have to be really clear in who we are in Christ and what we're called to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we're called to multiply. We're called to, to be generous. We're yeah. called to do all of these things. Well, what a, what greater way? And, and, and it always comes back to this in some way, shape, or form too. One of those things that we're called to be generous with, one of those things we're called um, to share and multiply is in finance. It just, it is, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Whether it's tithing, get, giving, whatever that may be. So in order to give, there has to be some sort of income to do that. And I think that if we look at the output as great and and spiritual and, and divine calling and all of these things that we're called to do, then we have to look at the input in the same positive light. And it's so important that I think that this can be something that has such kingdom principle to it because it can have such kingdom and in, in like multiplying output from it, right? Get yeah. great at sales, build your business, do amazing things and be just irrationally generous, like be yeah. undeniably generous with it. And I think that I have to imagine, I would think that God honors that, you know, and, and what he's thinking. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it also comes back to, and I know this is something that you and I also feel really strongly about, is um, is this idea of passion, right? Yeah. Follow your passion. Well, I, 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 I use calling a lot because I do believe in calling. I think passion is a very dangerous word because- it is overrated. It's completely <laughs> overrated because passion, not when it is not met with process and discipline and consistency, is not going to impact as many people as we can through some really clear processes, right? Like you can be passionate about a lot of things, you but you may be passionate about anything, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be successful. Success is in identifying who can be best served by your product or service or whatever, and then creating the conversation, like you said, and creating a process to help people, um, to help people find yeah. it, identify it, and to help you determine who that is. And also the sales process is like through the no's, which everybody hates, nobody likes a no, those, every single no, if we do it right, is going to give us information about how to do it better. Improve the product, improve the service, improve the communication, improve, improve, improve. Mm -hmm. And there's much gold in a no as a yes. Absolutely. If we can disassociate ourselves with all of the drama about it and just simply um, look at the opportunity that's in each one, right? Yeah. And, you know, the to tie back to the passion thing, I I always use the phrase that, Passion is the ember. It's not the flame, right? Yeah. Passion is the thing that yeah. keeps you going, but work ethic, process, um, responsibility, discipline, all these other things, right? All the not fun stuff, those are the flame. Those are the things that create and, and grow and spark and all these things. But passion is just the tiny little ember that keeps you going throughout the nose or, or the things that we find gold in still from, you know, the process of learning to get to a yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Well, I, you are a fantastic salesperson. I am in awe of you all the time. And, uh, and like I said, you had shared recently a process and like you said, this is a, this is a, a repeatable thing. You do it over and over and over and you get better and better and better. But I believe this process gives people something to start from and to hold on to and to sort of start practicing in their own business, in their own job interviews, in their own life. So talk to me a little bit about your sales process. Yeah, for sure. And we could go on for, you know, an hour and a half about this, but I want to give people sort of just the high level framework and they can make it theirs. It's, I don't want, as much as we want to put a process, we don't want to get overly scientific about it because it only works as good as you implement it. Right. Yeah. And my process is, is a framework, but it's something that you can take as a framework and then build out the rest of the house in, in your own shape, way, shape or fashion, you know, paint it how you want, put up wallpaper, don't put up wallpaper, wood floors or carpet, whatever your preference is, do it. But here's the great foundation and the, at least the framework for you to use to build on top of. Um, the first part, and there are eight steps. Um, and the first, the first step is the only one that has sub steps in it. And I could go on, like I said, we could do a whole, we could do a whole episode on each one of these steps, but I'm going to kind of go through it quickly. Um, but if something I say doesn't make sense or whatever, Don, feel free to jump in as well. Um, but the first step is permission right? You have to have an established permission in order to sell. And that's that transparency thing that we talked about. Um, and I use the, um, the, the acronym paid for it just because it's easy for people to remember because it's about sales. So wait, say that again, paid P A I D is the acronym in the first, the sub, the sub steps of the first step, which is permission. Um, and it's personality authority infused in demand. And what I mean by that is this, to establish permission for your sales process, um, you have to be willing to share a bit about your personality. When I am presenting at a conference or when I talk to someone, I always start talking about how I, I live in New York City. I talk really fast and I'm very excited. So um, if that loses you at any time, you know, feel free to slow me down or ask questions. Right? I show a little bit about my personality so they know that I'm not putting on some sort of front. This is not me trying to hurry them into a decision. It's just who I am and how I do things. So I try to give people a glimpse of that to establish that rapport. That's my version of, hey, great tennis shoes or whatever that sort of, <laughs> you know, that opening is. Right. It just feels a little bit more natural to say, hey, this is how I am. So you don't have to feel like you have to apologize for it later. You know, if you're someone mm -hmm. that speaks slower, hey, I like to take my time, make things really approachable for people. Right. And because then someone can step in and ask you to speed up. And that's not your fault because you already showed them that's how you're going to be. Right. Right. The second piece of that is authority. That's where you start building your authority. Hey, you know, I, that's where you start talking about the experience that you had, the expertise. And this is where you're able to um, flaunt a little bit about who you are and build that authoritative approach. So they know they can trust you and follow you. Because mm -hmm. if they can't trust you and follow you through this, there's no chance they're going to purchase anything from you. The next, go ahead. Yeah. How do you do that? I, I love all of this, by the way, and I hope everybody's taking notes because um, I'm sure they are. What do you say to somebody who's just starting out and says, I don't know that I feel like I have authority yet? As long as the other person feels like you have authority, that's the goal. You're not selling based on your thoughts and your feelings about yourself. You were selling based on the, what you can create for the other person to feel and think and trust for you, right? Yeah. So you're yeah. building authority in their mind even if you lack it in your own, but it's a lot easier if you believe in your own authority as well. 
Um, but there's a lot of things you are authoritative on, right? There's and a lot of it is perception. I didn't think I was an authority on sales until I took a different look and a different lens at my ability to sell something. I always looked at it through the, the view of entrepreneurship or, or things like that. Um, so I think that if most people can sit there and reframe the way they look at themselves, they can, they can take a different look at authority. I think that's true. And I will also add that um, if you can clearly articulate your, uh, the person that you serve, if you can c- clearly articulate their problem, they will think that you are an authority. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the last two are infuse and demand for this first step. Infuse is infuse some level of excitement. Infuse some level of energy into the conversation. You don't have to be Mr. or Mrs. Extrovert, but infuse something that shows that you're excited to speak with them. Because if you're not excited to speak with them about it, then they're not going to be either. And the last part of it is demand. This is important. This is a demand where you have to, and this is a bit of a sales tactic or technique, to where if you can get them to start following you around the room, following you around to do something now, get them to commit to some sort of yes now, um, whether they're actions or whatever it may be, um, that's it could be as simple as, hey, hey, do you have a piece of paper to write some stuff down? Uh, in a presentation, I get people to raise their hands or say yes or say no or, or commit to something verbally. That demand phase is a really key piece of granting permission to sell them something. And I think it's a lot of things that people forget to do. Yeah. 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 I love that. And it also makes it easier when you actually ask for the sale later. It's those small commitments that you earn along the way that, like you said, it's not a surprise. It just creates that pathway, right? Absolutely. And and that's step one. That's the most important thing. And that's why there's four sub-steps to it. Because if you don't do that, then it's not setting yourself up to do the rest of it. Permission is number one. Um, mm-hmm. Step two is exactly what you were talking about, is uh, assess. So permission, assess. The second step is assess and you ask where you need to identify their number one problem and most importantly, the value of that problem. A lot of people will identify the problem, but they forget to attach a value to it. And sales always needs to have some sort of value to it. And it may be monetary. And if you can get it to be some sort of monetary value, that is excellent. Um, But it could be time, right? They're buying their way out of doing something themselves. And so there is a monetary value to that as well but they may see it in the perception of time versus dollars, right? So assess is the second part. Identify the number one problem and the value of that problem to them. We'll return to my interview with Ben Smithy and hear more about his proven sales process that you can use in your own business or career in just a moment. But first, I have a question for you. Are you looking for a simple, affordable productivity tool to organize your goals for the year ahead? If so, I've got the perfect solution. I'm offering a special on my Peak Year Printable Planner just for podcast listeners. The Peak Year Printable Planner is a step-by-step planner to help you plan out your annual goals and then break them down into quarterly, monthly, weekly, and daily action items so you know exactly where you're going to get to your goals. The Peak Year Printable Planner will help you simplify even your most overwhelming goals with a plan so you can build momentum and achieve what matters most. The Peak Year Printable Planner is undated, so you can start anytime. And since it's printable, you'll get immediate access and you'll be able to use it forever. 
As my way of saying thank you for being a podcast listener, you can save 20% with the code podcast. Just go to donsadler.com slash peak planner to get started. And now back to my conversation with Ben Smithy. The third step, and again, we're flying through these, but the third step is yes. Get them to commit a yes to the value of solving that problem and what it can do for their business or their life, right? This is what I call getting them to commit to the dream. So once Mm. you've identified the problem and the value of that problem, then you get them to a yes of, okay, what is the value of solving that problem, right? If this is a, you know, a a $5 problem, but it's a five hour problem every single day for them, like, what are you trying to do? You're getting them to say yes to the dream of, of no longer, no longer having to worry about that problem, no longer worrying about whatever deficit that's causing in their business or in their lives. So you have to get them to a yes of saying, yes, I identify this problem. Yes. Here's the value of solving that problem. And yes, I see what this can do to better my business or my life. Awesome. I love that. Then we get into the real sort of sales piece of it. All of this up front, you haven't tried to sell them anything. All you've gotten them to do is agree with you that this is an issue and that, yes, there is a way to solve this and make my life better, right? So step Mm -hmm. four is create. And this is important because this is arguably the most most important part of creating the value for what you're going to sell them. And what you're creating is you're creating space between where they are currently and the end goal. So this is where you're creating the gap that your solution is going to basically fill for them, right? You've created that number one problem in their business. You've identified it. You've you've got them attach value and agree to it. But now you got to create space between here's where you currently are and here's the goal where you're trying to get to way out there and all of these things that you need to do in order to to get there, right? Because as Mm -hmm. you can see where this is going is then you're going to help them solve that problem and help them see how you can help them solve the problem. I think that's, I just want to jump in because I think that a lot of business owners make this mistake of not understanding that people want to be moved from A to B, right? Yes. And if there's not clarity about where you are and where you're going and how you're going to move them, then people will be confused and they will not buy no matter how great the process is. And so too often I see a lot of sales messages get mixed up in this sort of like soft selling, like, no, here, your customer, your client or whoever is here at A and this is B and be super clear about that, that transformation that you're trying to make, right? Yes, absolutely. And they also need to see that the solution, and especially because we deal with so many small and medium-sized businesses, there's this mm-hmm. syndrome of wanting to do it like DIY and think that it's a small problem, even though there's this big value attached to it. And a lot yeah. of people, when you identify their number one problem, there should be a significance to that problem. And so mm-hmm. therefore, the solution is likely not super easy. There's not this just tiny little solution to a big problem. Otherwise, they would have solved it themselves already. So you have to identify and show them that space between where they're at now and where they want to go, because that allows you to nicely fit value into that later. Yeah. And the opportunity there too, right? I know there's a lot more to go to, but um, just like, for example, you and I both have worked in, you work in the marketing space and uh, we both have that background, but the idea of understanding what the opportunity is. So for example, somebody hires a digital marketing company because they want to get, you know, a hundred more followers a month (laughs) versus do you understand that social media can actually help you increase your sales 13%? Exactly. Helping people understand 
um, the, not just the cost of the problem, but the opportunity of solving that problem, which I know is what you said, but just another example of that, right? Well, yeah. And all the steps and Hey, look, we know like the, the problem seems simple there of, you know, adding size to your audience when it comes to your social media. But what you really don't see a lot of times is the time it takes to do that. There's hours yeah. that go into creating the post. There's hours that go into picking the right image and testing yep. the image and scheduling it and all of these things, right? So now I've taken a simple problem and I've just created the multiple little steps, the tiny little steps in between there that they're sitting in their mind thinking, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to do right. that. I don't have time for yeah. that. Yeah. And what's the opportunity cost? You're spending hours doing that. What in your business are you not doing that could be bringing a better return because you're focused here? Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And so after you create that space, um, now's where you, you come in for the solution, right? And I call this stage help. And what you're doing is you're showing them how you can help them solve that problem and add value to their business or life. This is really the only time you're selling something because you're just showing them the solution. This is, you've gone through, you know, four steps before this, right? Of really ignite, like sort of illuminating the problem that they have, getting them to a value of it, um, creating space in between there. And now you're just showing them how your solution fits very neatly inside that gap in that space that you've created, right? That's all the only selling, the only scary part to what you have to do is right there. That's presenting them that opportunity, and I just call it help. You're helping them see how you can help them solve the problem. And then you evaluate after that. So after you create space, you help them see how you can help them solve the problem, then you evaluate. And what I mean by evaluate is you now attach a value to that solution. And obviously, the value to the solution should be greater than the cost of, of, of the solution that you're selling them, right? So right. you have to attach a value to the solution. You already got them to commit to the value of the problem. So now you attach the value to the solution. Many times, what with the, in the sales approach that we use is so, okay, we say that uh, the number one problem that they have is they, they, they need to sell more engagement rings and really make themselves relevant to the next generation of consumer, right? If they're a jewelry store. So we get them to commit to that's probably, they feel like that's a, you know, a $300,000 problem in their business that they can grow and identify $300,000 of business that they're missing out on. Well, by the time we talk about all the steps that we're doing to solve their engagement ring problem, I can sit there and say, but on top of that, we're building your brand. We're exposing your brand to more people. Um, we're really honing in your website and all of these other things to solve that problem. But what we've really done is created an additional value of, you know, $500,000 to your business on top of your, your bridal or engagement sales on top of there. So now the value that I'm attaching to the solution is greater than even just the single problem that I was trying to solve. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's amazing. And then the last two steps are, are easy because at this point, the close is easy because all you have to do is ask for the business, right? This is the step that should be the easiest to do that most people are generally afraid of, but it's because they haven't done the enough pre-work to get to the stage where they feel comfortable of asking for the business. Oh my gosh. I have to jump in here because for years I sold real estate and I can tell you that there have been millions and millions and millions of dollars left on the table because salespeople do everything else, but they don't do this one part. And it's true of any industry, anywhere you go. For some reason, we do all this work, but it is the actual asking for the sale uh, where people just kind of check out. So tell us what are some effective ways that people can do that? Are you ready to get started? 
Yeah. You know, right. it's, it's, that's, it's, yeah. it can be that so simple. Good. How do we, how do you want to get started? Right. Um, do you see, and, and again, we're talking about the value here. I think for example, my greatest thing is the clothes I like to use when I'm talking to people that are interviewing for jobs. Cause there's, there's people that are out there right now looking like, wait, how do I apply this to the job hunt? Right. My favorite yeah. question to close is, so after everything that we've talked about today and everything that you've asked me, is there anything that you see that would make me less than perfectly qualified for this job? Yes. Let's talk about this because this is my favorite part to me. You and I have talked about this. This is the part that will separate the men from the boys or the girls from the women when it comes to sales. Like this is the boldest, most boss move. And you know, you're dealing with a professional when somebody asks some form of that, which is what did I miss? What is still like not working for you? Like I, man, when you do that, I sorry, I get so excited about sales, <laughs> but you are like stepping into the ring. Like every other somebody could be talking to 50 other salespeople, but when you do this one thing, you will separate yourself head and shoulders above anybody else. Because when you give space for Like there's all these things about objections, right? Like Mm -hmm. overcome objections. But when you go in and you like ask for those objections, I just think that that is the most effective. I have seen, um, because you're not, see the thing that people in sales to understand is that you're, this is not a moment. Asking for the sale is not a moment. You are starting a long-term relationship. So when I was, um, when I run a digital agency, I know that you do one too. Like when somebody says yes, my average time of working with that client was like two or three years. So what happens mm-hmm. in that sales moment is going to set the tone for the rest of that relationship. So when you get in there and you'll be like, and you can have the, the courage, I'll say, to ask like what isn't working for you, what you do is you set the tone that that person can talk to you, that they can trust you, that you guys can have a conversation that you, again, you're on the same side of the table. You're not adversarial. And that is why, sorry, I just got so excited. No, that's I never it. Talk about this stuff, but it's so important what you just said. Well, it's the way that you can hundred percent, you have hundred percent certainty that, okay, what's, what are the two choices that are going to happen when you ask that question? You know, everything that we've heard today, is there anything that makes you feel less than hundred percent confident that we are perfect for the job or that I am perfect for this position or that we are our perfect partner for you, whatever form of that question, right? And you have to say it with confidence, right? You can't say it shy. You have to say it with boldness. And then mm-hmm. they say two things. One, they say, honestly, no, I, I I'm really excited about this. And you say, great. And then whatever the next step is in the sales call is, I'll have my I'll have Mike send you an invoice. We're going to get started and we'll kick, plan a kickoff call, right? Or great, I look forward to starting my career with you guys. This is going to be an excellent partnership. Or they tell you, well, I was a little concerned about your lack of experience in X, Y, and Z. And now you have a chance to rebuttal that you never would have had before. Yes, but how you do that is so important because if you have the courage to step in the ring and ask that question and then they say something and then you get defensive, then you've lost it. It's just dead in the water right now. So talk to me a little bit about how you, because there is actually a process for overcoming objections Mm -hmm. as well um, that is really important. So talk to me a little bit about that part. Well, Don, I'm glad you brought it up that um, you don't, you don't, you you didn't hear um, a lot of our experience in real estate. Um, And to that point, we don't have a ton of direct experience in real estate, but we do have a ton of experience in one, 
educating first-time buyers, right? Two, we have a great deal of experience that I've shown you in this previous case study about really selling high-value assets online and really starting those relationships. And three, you mentioned before that um, you're really looking at digital to see an opportunity for you to have a digital sales force because your sales force right now is very small. And as you can see in this case study or in this example, or something that I didn't get to talk to you about is X, Y, or Z, right? You agree, and then you show them how their impression or their perception may be wrong without telling them that they're wrong. You never say, Don, actually, you're wrong on that. Or actually, I disagree. It's always Don. I'm so glad you said that because one of the things that you, I didn't get a chance to talk about is boom, 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 right? It's agree and then show them why they're wrong. Don't tell them. Yeah. And the other thing I think that's... Absolutely brilliant. And I think the other thing that I would add, because I get into this, uh, I get into trouble with this all the time, is uh, we call it cushion. Like, oh, I get it, or uh uh-huh, or Mm, whatever, like you said, agree. But also to clarify, because what you hear may not be what they said. Yes. And so you may like be addressing something, and if we address something that isn't actually what they said, then we've lost them again. Mm. So it is the courage not only to say, where did I fall short, but they say that, or whatever the language is, everybody has a different, like you said, it's different wallpaper, but to um, say, if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is blah, 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 blah. Is that correct? And they'll say yes. And for me, that was really helpful. That was a hard lesson to learn. I got that wrong a couple of times. So I think that um, cushion, question, reflect um, back to them, and, you know, address the concern and then keep moving forward. Let me tell you something. That is that is what sep- this whole thing, like I said, it is what separates good people, good salespeople from really brilliant, high performing salespeople, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and there's an underlying um, sort of like the cushion or the rebuttal that you can use there too, on top of that is saying, um, so I, I'm hearing you, you say you're concerned about this. Is there also, or is there potentially an underlying concern of whatever, whatever, because a lot of times yeah. someone will re- yeah. like, do a rebuttal. And you can tell that's not really the root cause of their concern. Yeah. You know, they're not basing their decision on X, Y, or Z. You know, you know that there's an underlying concern and you give them the opportunity to express that because all of a sudden there's a sense of relief on their side. And now they're at a point where they can feel like they can make a decision because they've expressed that to you. Yeah. 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 That is so good. Thank you so much for letting me expand on that. Because <laughs> no, I know you and I have talked about this and it's so important. It's so, so important. It takes courage. But if you have that kind of courage in your sales process, it will pay you in dividends again and again and again. Not only in dividends of money and sales, but also in knowledge of how you can improve. You will improve faster and you will take, all, you know, sort of back to that business's math, the rest is drama. Yeah. You'll take a lot of the drama out of it because you're dealing with facts and not feelings. Well, Well, and knowledge is the very last step. After you close and you ask for that business, you have to express confidence in the deal through knowledge. I know that our track record is going to continue with this. I know that we're going to be a perfect fit for you. I know that we're going to help you solve this XYZ problem. Sealing it with that confidence of knowledge and committing to a I know, or I'm confident, or I'm 100% certain that we are on our way to help you with this, right? You're immediately taking that buyer's remorse thought out of their head and replacing it with knowledge and confidence. And I think that's so important to have after you make an ask for something and after you get them to commit to a yes, reinforcing it with knowledge. 
Yeah, I think that is brilliant. And I think also, and I know that, uh, because I just think this is worth saying, especially for people who are just starting a business. First of all, you need to teach this course. You need to write this book because people need to have all of this (laughs) wisdom that you have. So please go and do that. And also, I just think that... um, making sure ahead of time that you can deliver the product that you're selling. Yes. Um, I think a lot of times when people go out there and it's just sort of like, you know, if you build it, they will come and we'll figure it all out as we go. And sometimes that's great. And so I think you and I have probably both done that with uh, in, in our lives, but also you will sell more confidently when you feel confident in the product or service that you're delivering. That's just, it's just sort of uh, the basic thing. So if you are starting a business, don't feel like you have to go out and and make this big, ambitious product. Start with one small product or service that you know you can deliver with excellence um, and build from there. Absolutely. Would you say that's a Yeah, because you're part, only yeah. as good as your last gig, right? Right. One of right. the most important yeah. things I learned as a musician, like in which taught me so much for entrepreneurship, was you're really Wait. as good as your last whoa, gig. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. You're a musician? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's how I, uh, I worked my way through college was playing saxophone. I had no idea. I spent more time in the college of music than I did in the college of business, even as a business major. Oh, I had no idea. Well, that's a whole (laughs) other episode. (laughs) I didn't know. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying that you're only as good as your last gig, right? To the last people that you interacted with, if I went up there and I played poorly that night, their only impression of me was as a poor saxophone player, right? Regardless of how I performed on those last gigs, nobody has that visual record. And so for sales, a lot of times... That's it too for clients. Like you're as good as your last gig. So that's why you have to commit to excellence in everything that you do. You have to show up on time every time, right? Um, and as described. So I think it's important. And and understanding that excellence and perfection are not the same thing, well, right? They're far so, from different. Yeah, we have to understand. I mean, they're, they're, they're far from the same. Sorry. <laughs> they're very different. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I knew what you mean. Um, but just that excellence is, is a constant constant process of improving, improving, improving. If we wait till we are perfect or we beat ourselves up because we had a sales, uh, whatever that wasn't perfect. Um, again, you know, business is math. The rest is drama. The more that we present our product and service, the more no's we're going to get and the more yeses we're going to get. And we're going to over time increase how many yeses we get through the process of doing this again and again and again. Amen. 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 That's every time. Yeah. And just show up and do it again. Show up and do it again. Show up and do it again. Right. Yeah. Business yeah. is what Simon Sinek calls an infinite game. Right. It's not, mm-hmm. it doesn't have a scoreboard. It doesn't have a clock. Right. You're constantly improving. You're constantly getting better. Your services are constantly improving. Your sales process is constantly improving. So that's the benefit is it's an infinite game. We get to do this as many times as we decide to show up and try again. Yeah. Yeah. I, we could do another episode just on that, <laughs> book, that whole topic. We could do every, oh my gosh, so many. Ben, I love every single time that you come to the podcast, but I also just want to honor you. You are just like one of my favorite people. And mm, the way that you. you show up for people again and again and again is so inspiring. And I just never tire of having these conversations with you. So I really appreciate how generous you were in sharing your time and your expertise today. Well, likewise, thanks for creating such a platform for people to just grow and flourish and honestly, like follow and f- not only find their purpose, but then be equipped with how to actually fulfill it and and chase it and dream big and do even bigger things. I think it's such an important platform and I'm just excited um, 
to hear your voice in this keep growing and just the amazing guests that you bring on here. I'm, I'm, I'm truly honored. I'm not just saying this, like I'm truly honored um, every time you've asked me to be part of it and just to check out and hear what other people are saying. It's, it's, there's so much value here. So thank you for creating this space and thank you for um, living out your calling into this. It's, it's so important. And just thank you for that. Um, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to say a prayer over any listener right now who is struggling with sales, struggling to implement this, struggling with some of the uh, some of the feelings around this, growing their business, getting the job, whatever it is. But before we do that, uh, do me a favor and tell us where our listeners can find you online. Yeah, so uh, you can find our digital agency at thesmithygroup.com. It's S-M-I-T-H-E-E, thesmithygroup.com. Uh, or you can find me on my personal website at bensmithy.com, uh, Instagram at Benjamin Smithy. And pretty much from there, you can find anything out that you want to know about me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Do you mind closing us in prayer? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Well, Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to honor you um, in everything that we do, uh, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's um, creative arts, whether it is um, leading and growing, whether it is anything, whatever it may be, God, we just, we just thank you for the opportunity to use our gifts, our passions, our purpose, our calling to honor you and point everything back to you, God. Um, I just pray over... Everyone that may be either struggling with the idea of sales or wrestling with it or contemplating how they can get better or people that are passionately pursuing it, Lord, that you give them uh, truth, that you give them an honest assessment of, of who they are and what you've called them to do and who you've called them to be, because that is going to be the ultimate sales tool in their life uh, is you've got the, the truth and the knowledge that you've given them. Father, I ask for just newfound confidence. For those people that are saying or even questioning that they can do this or if they can do this, God, I ask that you give them a newfound confidence, not in what they can do, but who you are and what you've called them to do, that they have a new supreme confidence in being able to step forward, uh, take new ground, and again, point it all back to you, Jesus. We just thank you for this time. We thank you for um, this time that we share together. We thank you for this um, this podcast, honestly, that it may it reach just millions and millions of people um, and help guide them in their God-given purpose, Lord. I thank you for this time. I thank you for Dawn. Um, and I thank you for everyone on here. I just pray um, wellness and health and abundance in their lives, God. In your name, amen. Amen. Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dawn. I appreciate it. I'd like to thank my guest, Ben Smithy, for joining me on the show today. Just a reminder that you can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Ben online at donsadler.com slash 046. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. This helps us reach more listeners with incredible testimonies of how God is moving in the marketplace. This has been the Your Purpose is Calling podcast, conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. I'm your host, Don Sadler, the Christian Productivity Coach. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.